Are you an artist or creator with a social conscience? Do you have an inspiring story or material to share that's helpful to people? Are you an expert on culture, arts, nature or wellness? If this sounds like you or someone you know, we'd love to hear from you at CAN Projects, where we advocate that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and environment. Our talk show CAN Projects podcast reaches 20 plus online platforms and features insightful, inspiring and expert guests. You can check out the show on our free archives on Spreaker.com and YouTube. We'd love to hear from you, so please feel very welcome to email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com. Help each other. Help us all. to the Can Projects podcast, where we'd love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And I'm your co-host and project coordinator, Shane McKay. And I'm your other co-host and project coordinator, Christopher Sneed. And we have a great show lined up for you. One we've really been looking forward to, a great book. Chris is actually on your second read of this book. Yeah, on the second read, there's a lot more kind of underneath the surface. It's a much deeper book the second time you read it. It's a fictional book, but it feels like real Dublin. It feels like a real place. It's got like a quintessential Irish sense of humor behind it, but it is also kind of sad. It has a lot of emotion, kind of. It's like a roller coaster, really. One of the best books I've read in a long time. And Owen Brunker, he's, he's a pretty interesting guy. And we've got his bio here he sent over to us. We're just going to read out for folks. They give us a wee bit of an insight into the author. So Dublin native Owen Brunkert has worked on various inner city community development projects for the past 11 years. Qualified in social policy and research, Owen started his career providing enterprise and training advice to people in long-term unemployment. From there, he has supervised a labour activation scheme and several community-led youth services. As a qualified social researcher, he has also worked on several policy papers and research projects for civil rights advocacy bodies. When not walking with his unfortunate wife, Owen enjoys reading and writing novels that are critical of civil servants as he is not a civil servant and is somewhat jealous. <laughs> Owen's official motivation for writing this novel was to create a hopeful, humorous parable for the importance of community in an increasingly isolated and individualizing world. Owen's unofficial motivation was money. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and coming up now is a short clip from the previous show with Irish author Owen Brunkert in part one of the interview about his novel Clementine Lane. It's really about four people trying to deal with isolation in various terms against the backdrop of modern society and gentrification of an area. The way things are now, a modern Ireland basically, it's not a first novel that was published likely. It wasn't something that I wrote and then I published it was something I wrote and then I rewrote and then I rewrote and then I rewrote and then I published <laughs> that kind of way. I t try and take the narrative line of just try and make it as funny as possible, but at the same time, not shying away from the issues as I, I've seen them and I've known them. As an approach to writing means that you'll never really get a grip of what it allows for twists and turns. 
because the Warrior himself doesn't know what's going to happen next. We're going to be back with more from Owen Brunkert about his book Clementine Lane, which we highly, highly recommend you check out. You'll find it on Amazon. Michael Aaron is great from so many different aspects, considering what went before and how oppressive it could be. But there's other things that it's missing, and it's that sense of community. Do you have a good social life? Oh yeah, look, look at all these friends groups, you know, and Glow Chrome. It shouldn't be just a self-contained package. It should be like, the whole book is an opportunity to have fun with it. And we're back, and you're all very welcome to the Can Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, art, nature, and wellness. And I'm your co-host, Shane McKay. And I'm your other co-host, Christopher Sneed. And we got uh, home, Brunkert in here, and Chris... Great ads there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Yeah, we're, they're, they're well, we do it together. keep them brief sometimes. Yeah. So, yeah, this book, we're getting, really getting into the nuts and bolts of this book. I'm finding it fascinating, actually. And I only had a wee look at it, but Chris was the one who really... Chris loves his books and he loves his reading. And you really enjoyed it, Chris, didn't you? You were telling me you really... Oh, yeah. No, thanks like, a lot. It's, it's probably one of the best books I've read in the past five, ten years. Like. Oh, wow, I appreciate that. That's wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, and I can I can yeah. tell you, Owen, he's not he's not he's not uh, he's he's not patronising at all. He, Chris really means that. And when he was telling yeah. me about yeah, it, I was, was like, patronising. I just go, yeah, no, he's telling the truth. <laughs> 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 wow, totally. Um, and I'm I'm a heavy reader, like you know. Brilliant, brilliant. But, Thank you. I think fresh, I Chris was. You were saying it feels quite fresh. Yeah, it does. It, like I think it's part of being self-published that you don't have the same story restrictions as, like established authors would no no you know, people with a publishing house behind them yeah you do as you wish i mean de- uh, like in fact it was an issue with it afterwards how do i genreize this how do i market this what is it exactly mm. because as a, as a book it was kind of like this is what i want to do and i'm going to do it and that's fine and i'm really happy doing it and it becomes a, and, and it could be the expression of what 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 i want it to be but it's not um, a business thing insofar as this is the department it sits in. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's like, it's, it's a, it was a non, it's a, for me, it sounds like it's an artistic work. Like you've, you've, you've kind of, bre- you, you've breathed life into this thing and you're, you're not letting the market as such dictate it. You try. I try <laughs> my best not to, to, to sound pretentious when it comes to this kind of stuff, like, cause it's like, oh, it's a work of art. No, uh, it's a kind of, um, it's actually just when I was trying to put it into a genre afterwards, it's like, I actually don't know what, what to call this, like, you know. Well, what was it, Chris? You kind of, it is a bit, uh, is it fair to say that it's a, in, the, in, in, in the realms of Roddy Doyle-ish? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, be along that yeah side. Roddy Doyle, maybe, um, maybe a little bit of Brendan O'Carroll as well. Yeah, but like the there, books, yeah. Brendan O'Carroll, not the stand-up Brendan O'Carroll, you know, no, the, the mammy. No, no. Or the, uh, the gigglers, like, you know. Yeah, no, it's, it's it you could sit in that, like, you know. Um, yeah, you, you could easily slot it into Irish interest in a bookshop. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you could also slot into fiction and comedy. And Like, in Britain, it sells under uh, contemporary or urban. That's what, it, what genre it sells there. Mm. In Australia, it sells under family saga. In America, it sells under cozy mystery. Right, <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> it, it takes an awful lot of boxes, like you yeah. know. It, it's um, tell me something though. Did you get a kick out of uh, making people laugh and then feel guilty about laughing about it? 
Yes. Well, I always do that. I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I do that. Little snipe. <laughs> I'm just kind of, you provoke people to laugh at something, and then, oh, you shouldn't. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, me, me and Shane have experience of that a few times already. And then, you know, it, ma- it makes you think, though. You think yeah, harder on the subject. Yeah, yeah. it's thought provoking. I think, to, like any, I, I think a, a sign of good media or good art. I know you. Okay, is that pretentious? It is. I, for me, it's it's it's, a, it's an artistic expression in there. But if it's engaging with your, like you say, you're not being pretentious or trying to talk down to somebody or like impose an opinion. It's about actually engaging as opposed to just a dialogue. You shouldn't get your uh, soap uh, box and kind of, uh, you know, as you say, patronize talk down. Like, I mean, it is actually yeah. trying to think about, like, you know, I mean, I, I, I offer views. I don't offer one view in it. Like, you know, I do offer a few views, but um, it's yeah. for the person to engage with it. And it's exactly that like you don't treat your reader like a fool because it's the one thing <clears throat> that people hate is to, you know, they're, they get things handed to them too much or whatever like that because it's like well who are you you know that kind of way you, yeah. you, you have to assume and you can trust people then as well because you know they're they're, they're buying into it then so it's it's good you know yeah but yeah i do like to provoke people to laugh things that probably shouldn't <laughs> yeah and then feel a little bit guilty but like it's, that's, that's where the fun is. <laughs> well, it's kind of like that's isn't that happens in real life? It's like sometimes you laugh at something and kind of go, "Oh, should I laugh at that?" Like that is real life, you know. Yeah. It's like we laugh when we're nervous sometimes, and maybe it's not always appropriate. And that's a good that's a good thing to think about, you know. I do think about that. So I used to laugh at some of the most inappropriate stuff, like you know. Well, sometimes people actually kind of make you laugh about things when they're trying to shock you into thinking about them as well, like you know that mm. kind of way. And well. You can, kind of that, you can kind of see that in some comedians. They know, I know some people take it far too far. I'm actually more mm-hmm. cheeky with it, to be honest, which is not. I wouldn't go down too dark yeah. a road with that. Like, no. Um, but you can see it in Frankie Boyle's humor. He, he would probably go down that kind of way. You know, that kind of yeah. So it's, I try to keep it light as I can, you know, but at the same time, a little cheeky bit now and again. Mm. That's it, but like that's what comedy has always been for. Like mm. as a societal thing, it's a pressure release. It's a yes. it's a safety valve. Without a doubt, and um, it's also a way of poking, punching up, basically. Yes, a hundred percent. Never punch yeah. down. You know. No, no, no. no never, be. never target the victims. Never target the victims. That's exactly it. Like. And it's, 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 yeah. it's, 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 that's exactly, I think it was Frankie Boyle who did say that actually, you know, if you're targeting, yeah. he was, I think he was critiquing, I don't know if it was Ricky Gervais or one of these other comedians, but he was kind of suggesting that, look, if you're making fun of somebody who's already in a terrible situation, you're completely misusing it. Yeah, well, uh, Terry Pratchett said, I came across a quote from Terry Pratchett describing exactly what you're talking about there, yeah, about how, um, you know, it's satire, satire is not, uh, you know, basically bullying somebody who's kind of, you know, already feeling kind of victimized somehow. Mm. That's, you know, that's actually abusive. Like if you're just making light of somebody else's kind of uh, struggle or, I mean, there's been stuff recently um, in the news. It's, it happens from time to time. And it's like, it's an interesting topic, you know, comedy, like how far should it go or should it not go? And I think having a light heart is good, but like the minute that crosses over to, I can, I feel better because I can laugh because I'm not in that situation mm-hmm. is kind of, yeah. it gets, you know. Well, we were talking about yeah. types of Irish humour and satire is a major one. I mean, you're going right the way back to Swift then, you know? 
So yeah. you're talking about Gulliver's Travels and that's all about, you know, you've got the two peoples there. You've got the, the, the essentially the, the Irish guys. Yeah. yeah. Well, you've the Irish guys who are kind of living on the ground, toiling to, to, to make vegetables for the, the lads in the clouds and stuff like that. Now, yeah. I'll let, let people guess who they're meant to be. But <laughs> uh, the point is, it's entirely satirical and it's about punching up. It's about, you know, look, well, you have all this kind of stuff and you abuse it. Hmm. So... You know, we're going to have fun with you. you and, know. and then, of course, there's a reverse where uh, Gulliver becomes the little person for a while, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like, you know, so I mean, it, it shows, it, 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 he does that wonderfully in that book. It, it hasn't aged today, really. Like, I mean, it's one of my favorite yeah. books. It's this kind of idea that changing perspectives and it gives you a good idea of power dynamics then. Yeah. Um, it's funny. I think I think it's a masterpiece for you know. It's funny you mentioned oh, that yeah. book because uh, that's actually we're, we're doing some. Chris is doing some readings, um, and that's actually on our list. Uh, Go for travels, great book. I love it. A wonderful, wonderful yeah. book. Wonderful imagination. But yeah, I mean, I think that point of power dynamics and the political parties do come into it. And I often wonder, did I do the right thing by actually naming them? Because would it have been better? Would it be more? transferable to other countries had I just left it as kind of a social democratic party, yes. central right. Well, that kind that, of that brings us back to your glossary of terms. You know? Yeah, it does really like, well, I had fun with that yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I might dip into that again. <laughs> just, 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 yo, where is it? There. Yeah. I suppose that you so do we have, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. We have the failures, members of the Fianna Fáil political party. Blue shirts, derogatory term for a member of the Fine Gael political party. Shinners, members of the Sinn Féin political party. Trots, a member of the left-wing political party that follows the philosophy of Leon Trotsky. And May Fainer. <laughs> well, you see, like, I, I was kind of nervous that if I, if, 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 I kind of thought, like, maybe I should have left it out. But at, at the same time, there is a little segue in certain parts where I kind of, I smacked them on the nose a little bit about each of them, about different aspects of their ideology. Gently, not too hard. I, I didn't go full political about it. But and, 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 and fairly equally. And fairly equally well as I could, you know. But like, yeah. I, that's kind of a way of doing things, you know. I, I, I like that kind of way of thinking. Like, you know, they, oh, they're that's people with power. And they're, they, above all, should have the humor thrown their way. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, none of your characters are saints. No. None of them. No, but they shouldn't. Um, they, no, definitely yeah. not. Like you, you know, you you switch you you switch between kind of like disgust and admiration, and you know, <laughs> everything is just there's there's the polar opposite in every character. You know. Well, you see, that's just it. Real people are a bit of a mix. Like they, they'll do something yeah. good, and then they'll shock you with how bad they've been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. It's the way of it. Like you know. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's like I'd be interested to know now as well, kind of like it, it and it, it is really interesting to hear how a lot of the, um, the inspiration for the book has come from your own personal experience and your work, kind of in community-based kind of stuff. But aside from that, like, is there much other research that go that kind of had to go into it as far as well, how do I go about this? Or did you you know do you, you know say after the first revision, do you kind of go, oh, I need to follow up on this, or how does that kind of work? Well, like I tell you, I did do research for it, and uh, once the research was done, I got rid of the chapters. Oh, <laughs> it okay. took a while. Um, mm. There's a character in it who's a nun, 
And at one stage, I played with the idea of relating her story when it happened. And uh, there was three or four chapters basically written and it was Dublin in turn of the century. And I had to get one done. The idea of that was to show how the length had changed to what it was and it was to compare and contrast. So I wanted to get as close to a social history as I could to the lane or to a Dublin residential lane mm. in tenement times. Um, but I ended up discarding those chapters because basically a few people had, had read draft copies of them. They said, look, you know, that's really another book you're writing there. Right. It was too much of a, a contrast. So I actually changed the character. She kind of went from this um, almost pious type character. And I'm kind of glad she's gone because she was kind of draining the humor over it. Uh, so I kind of got rid of her. And then I rewrote her as this kind of rather indifferent, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a really ir irreverent, yeah. a really irreverent character for being a religious character. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I, I thought, you know what, I'm doing this wrong. I, like, the nun shouldn't be a saint. The nun should be really Dublin here and actually just kind of obnoxious to some degree. There's a little bit of, and then a bit of difference to the plight of the, one of the favorite things I loved about Willy Wonka was the, 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 the indifference he had to the plight of all those children. And I actually, I just thought that was really funny. <laughs> so she went, it, she went from this kind of pious kind of caring character to this kind of irreverent kind of almost indifferent to what was going on. Like, um, you don't sound like you're from Galway. Yeah. Sure, what would you know? How would you know a Galway accent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it was an opportunity to have fun with it then, like, you know. So. Yeah. Um, and I liked it then because, as I say, those original three or four chapters, they were actually kind of, they were kind of serious, actually, and, and it didn't sit well with it. And I think it would have tipped the balance, you know, so it was but good I, advice. I think it did cover a fair bit of history in it as well, like the history of areas that went from being like oh, yeah. manor houses to tenement houses to Green to Street. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did research that because sure's got made the lapels. The idea on that score would be if I said Green Street was named after Queen Mary, somebody would email me, you know? <laughs> we'll be back with more from the Cam Projects podcast after these short messages. American corn farmers, a proud and chosen profession inspired through generations. Tested, resilient, and committed to giving back as much as they're growing, pushing the boundaries of what's possible with every bushel, while replenishing every increasingly precious resource, like the reduction of soil loss by 40% with every acre grown. In a world where sustainability matters more than ever, we need all the help we can get. And there's no greater resource than the capable hands of American corn farmers. What is a Fisher House? By the numbers, Fisher House has served more than 430,000 military and veteran families at no cost to them. I felt taken care of so that all I had to do was focus on caring for my son. What is a Fisher House? By the numbers, those families have saved more than $547 million to date by staying in Fisher House. If it wasn't for the Fisher House, my family would not have been able to afford to come stay up here in the Maryland area. By the numbers, over 11 million days and nights of lodging has helped so many. It was like a gift from God that they have given people. On the road to 100 Fisher Houses across the U.S. and Europe, Fisher House Foundation is an A-plus charity with a four-star rating on Charity Navigator for 18 years in a row. 
Go to fisherhouse.org for more of the story and your opportunity to help our military, veterans, and their families when they need it most. That's fisherhouse.org. Here at Can, we like to focus on open and inclusive dialogue. For people that are interested in our previous shows, you can find our free archives at Spreaker.com, at the Can Project Podcast on Spreaker.com, or you can also find ad-free content on Patreon.com. For as little as one euro a month plus fat, you can help contribute. We do need help, so check us out on either Patreon or Spreaker.com. My sound man, Shane McKay, has his business called MacSoundServices.com. That's M-A-C-K, SoundServices.com. What he does for me is I send him my shows, and he, he does audio enhancements and stuff like that. He does miracles if you see some of the stuff I send him and how it comes back. So get a hold of Shane at MacSoundServices.com, M-A-C-K, SoundServices.com. You're all very welcome back to the Can Projects podcast. You do some fairly abstract references as well. I mean, I think at one point you referenced King Citric Silkenbeard. I did, actually. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought he was very relevant to the story. Mm. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, it's a name I know quite well, but a lot of people would, might know like Citric as a, as a term nearly. Yes. You know, but wouldn't, yeah. And um, I mean, he quite was important a king Oh yeah, he was the king of Dublin at yeah. the turn of the uh, the, the year one thousand. Like yes, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, know uh, if he if he is where I suggested that he that he is, but uh, it was more of a criticism about the the whole Woodkey idea because <laughs> for me yeah. it was like there's our Ireland, Ireland's forum, and oh no, here comes the DCC. What are you doing? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. B- building over some very valuable, um, ridiculous. You know, yeah. Ah, uh, they learned so much about Viking society from the wood key, and then they just buried it up and didn't learn anything else. Like, you um, know, yeah, they, a perfect plate, and that turned to a, an attraction almost, like you know, a walkable mm. around attraction or something along that line. I just think it would have yeah. been a missed opportunity. Oh yeah. yeah, I'm quite critical to the council all the way through. To be fair, you yeah. Know. Well, I mean, it was there was a big deal about that at, at the time. Wood key really was a big deal. You know? Well, in general, I just attacked them. <laughs> yeah. in the book that they're kind yeah. of the, the consistent bad guys. <laughs> I actually got a chance to look at um, some bits and pieces from there that were kind of being warehoused. Um, oh, wow. But I best not talk about who let me in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. No spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. But um, no spoilers. Now, Chris, yeah. yeah. So you did. You did it. You did a massive amount of research as far as I'm concerned. Like, oh, thank you. Um, it, it was, I wanted the book to be really grounded in Dublin. I wanted people to be able to, every aspect. The, of it. the only problem I had was, um, I couldn't find Clement Lane anywhere on a map, though. No, actually, <laughs> I'm, I thought I made up Clement Lane, I really did. But, um, I was looking at it the other day, and it actually may exist in a Dublin in Ohio. In America, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm kind of right. In fact, the whole book is sent in, in Ohio. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to change my story now. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. say, spin know, off. I hear a spin off in Ohio. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
little or possibly big Dublin in America. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, no, how did you call them? Well, I kind of was thinking, I was kind of thinking, um, when you hear kind of old Dublin stories, you kind of hear saints' names uh, and that hmm. kind of thing. And I wanted, and there's almost sometimes a little bit of Anglo to it as well. Like you hear the Baino and stuff like that. I kind of wanted to hover around that. I didn't want it to be too Irish because Dublin has its own weird ta- uh, names and stuff, and they're a mixture of Viking mm. and Norman, and you know English as well, and all the rest of it. So I just thought Clementine would kind of sit in that kind of like oh, an old Clementine name. It kind of has that kind yeah. of feel, you know, that kind yeah. of like, yeah, it sounds fitting, all right. Yeah, and I love small oranges, so. <laughs> ah, so you got the name from your deep love of citrus, eh? <laughs> My deep love of citrus. That's the real story. The other story sounds better, though, doesn't it? It sounds like I was giving a bit more thought, like, and I wasn't just sitting down eating orange. <laughs> yeah, strange then that there's no mention of oranges at all in the book. No, that I noticed none, none, no. none at all. It has absolutely nothing to do with oranges or toast or toast at all. <laughs> 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 so if the, if you, if there's a few chapters then that kind of got for want of a better word kind of axed or whatever like did oh, you nice. did you uh, uh, are you are you kind of are you thinking about any follow-ups or anything else kind of coming up or well i have to tell you i was kind of thinking about writing something completely different what i was actually thinking about was to kind of like I had two ideas. One was to kind of move with external characters from that and kind of do something with them. But then I kind of thought I might be covering an awful lot of old ground and I was kind of worried that I'd be trying to do something different with the same ideas. And that would be the last thing. Do you know, I mean, the guy, I can't even think of his name now, the chap who wrote Cloud Atlas, um, David... um, um, Not David Eddings, no, not David. No, uh, ah, it's gone. But anyway, I'm sure... Everybody knows this guy anyway. He's, 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 he's hmm. an early grey author. But if you look at his list of his, his bibliography, books are completely different. Like he wrote a book that I absolutely adore called The Thousand Days of Mr. Dessouge. And it's an historical uh, kind of epic about a Dutchman living on a trading colony outside Japan with occult tendencies in the 17th century. And then he wrote Cleo Atlas in the side point. Hmm. So okay. <laughs> he, kind of, he never got bored. He just kind of says, oh, I'll just do something mm. different now. And then he, he himself wrote something quite contemporary and kind of so popular as well. So, I mean, I like that. So I was kind of thinking if I was to do it again, I would focus a little bit more on the comedy and then I would kind of do an episodic type thing and a whodunit. It would be, mm. I, have, I have the context for what I want to do. Um, and somebody's going to get murdered in that situation and it'll be the different characters and their backstories will be brought around and it'll be a whodunit kind of scenario. And that's kind of something I was toying with because I just think the humour is there, like, you know, and you can have a lot of fun. With a whodunit, you can tell those backstories that I like doing in Clementine Lane. You can, and then you bring in that once again, you're giving that relative character a little bit of agency thereafter and so on and so forth. So... You can layer it again. And it, would, it would fit with the tongue-in-cheek sense of humour as well. Massively, you know? massively. I just think so. Because like the Clemson Lane thing, it was personal. There was a lot of um, my own thoughts about things and stuff like that. And it was serious to a point. I would like to do something a little lighter like as well. like you know. And I think 
there's a greater opportunity in scope to bring something funny there, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I have a context in my mind and I'm going to develop it, but I, I can already see how it kind of comes together. But the main thing as always is start with your characters and let them off, you know, All that's right. how I see that. Yeah, that's quite insightful, actually. And it's kind of, it's really, it's nice to hear like what the process was like and kind of like, I find that quite compelling or like I would say it's, it'd be interesting for other creators out there to kind of hear that. I think that that organic approach is definitely very important, but it's kind of like, you almost have to, Is it, it would be fair to say you can't be too precious with the work as well because you'll just kind no. of stifle it otherwise. No, not at all. Like, I mean, I think the original script from uh, Clementine Lane was 130,000. The final draft is 99. And all of that, that was kind of, that was massively rewritten. Like, as I was saying, you let the characters go off in their own direction, but then you have to go back to where they've walked and kind of <laughs> redo the scenery, you know, that kind of way. Yes. Um, you have to make sure those layers are there so it does make sense that they're operating in the way that they do. Um, it, there's things that you think at the time that melodramatic teenager looking to channel the Bronte sisters is always in there somewhere, you know, and always when that, oh, that's a great phrase. That's, you know, it's so sad, so dramatic. And that phrase will always have to go because if, if it's something, if it's something so over the top in its descriptive qualities and aesthetic qualities, it's probably narcissistic to keep it there. And the reader will probably think you're full of it. <laughs> so you're writing this great phrase and you think, oh, that's brilliant. But then you read it again. No, actually, this is a bad idea to keep that there. You yeah. know? So right, it's, it's an awful lot you write. It's an awful lot yeah. You know, so you write it, you rewrite it, you write more, you go back, you write again. And by the time you finish, and then that's when you get to a draft and you give that to an editor and they're like, mm, no, I don't know what that's about. It's, it's, you could be finished the thing in one year and then the rewrites begin and then it's two and a half, you know, it's, it's big. It's a, if you're doing it, I think anyway, if you're spending time on it and you're, you're really trying to distill it, you have to spend the time on it and go over and over and over again. Because another thing as well, if you're trying to write anything complex as well, you can have these little widows in it as well. And what I mean by widows is these kind of plot lines that you meant to go somewhere else but you forgot about them when you left them there. Or there's a little saying that she said this, thinking that you'd return to that at some other point, and you don't. And you need to reread that. And you need about four or five other eyes to look through it again, because they'll pick that up and you won't. You know it's there, and you'll just gloss over it with your eyes. You know? so it's a lot of distilling. Mm. Well, it sounds like a really positive process, though. Like for, like, you, it's there fun. Must be, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's really fun. I. You know, I, I, I absolutely love writing. Like it's just, and when you come to the situation, I, I made that sound dreadful, <laughs> but it, yeah. it's actually really fun. Like, I mean, when you walk around like, oh, hang on, I know what I'll do with that. And then you're back and you know, you're, you're, you're writing 2000 words, 3000 words, whatever, getting it down out of your head and you'll, you will that down to 500 the next night or whatever, but it's fun. You, you think at that moment in time, you've done something amazing. Now, I mean, oh, yeah. but you know, for that moment in time, you, you're really delighted with yourself that you created. You know yourself. I mean, you're both very creative people. So, I mean, you, you know what I mean? When you hit on something, you're like, there's a little kind of slam. There's no sense of accomplishment from making a cup of tea. 
Exactly. Exactly. There is no sense of accomplishment for making up a cup of tea. No, you're dead right, though. I mean, when you do something that's yours and you know it's yours and it's your little bit of spark, you know, it is actually a lovely thing. It feels great. And it's, well, I love though is that you've been so considerate to your audience and your readers, though. That's like definitely makes for a good reader. Any 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 medium, you know, like we said, there's there's an there's there's an invitation to the reader to actually engage with the thing without without like trying to grab onto them and shake it into them, like, you know, and... Um, ah, yeah, it's not the yeah. approach. It's, like, I mean, it should be for pleasure, ultimately, like, and people should enjoy it. Like, I don't like anybody who's pious, to be honest, which I never really got on board in that train. Um, I have my own beliefs about different things, as I'm sure everybody does, but you don't have the right to just show up, people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, yeah. You know, um, so that's it. So we're, we're going to wrap it up shortly, but Chris, I know you, have you anything you're like just dying to ask Brunk about off the top of your head there that, you know, as somebody who's read the book and really enjoyed it, um, we, we covered, we, we went through a lot of it there, um, like the narration style, mm. uh, you mentioned the spoilers, yeah. we better not mention the spoilers. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, um, I mean... Like, I know you're planning on writing another book and, you know, things like that as well, but, um, like, just, I was blown away. I can't, I can't really believe it's a first novel. Thanks. Like, that's really nice. Thank I, you. I really, I, I really can't like, um, like, have you, have you written other stuff that just, you never got around to publishing or? Um, I kind of, I, I, I tried my hand at short, uh, short stories, but I kind of gave up on it to be honest with you. Um, I like writing episodically. You know what I mean? The way that actually, now I'm going to bring this back to a Clementine now. You'll see where this is going. This is all, Chris, this is all my plans. There's Sam's the narrator coming in. <laughs> going around, you know? <laughs> it's like a Clementine. But um, I like write, writing kind of um, episodically. And I suppose that kind of owes the beginning of, I, I started writing short stories. I suppose most people do start writing short stories. Hmm. Um, and then trying to link it as you go. Um, but really, truthfully, no, I didn't do a huge amount of writing before. I, I, I think the thing about it is, while that's a first novel, it's not a first novel that was published lightly. It wasn't something that I wrote and then I published. It was something I wrote and then I rewrote and then I rewrote and then I rewrote and then I published. <laughs> you know, that kind of way. It went through a lengthy process of mm. getting So that. you essentially wrote it five times. Yeah. You know? The fifth time. That's what, you get for talk yeah. <laughs> that's what you get for talking in class. It was pure lines, you know. Um, but yeah, like it's as a piece, it's a, it's something that was distilled, you know. It's it's not it's the exact opposite to improvisation. <laughs> you know? There's a level of contrivance there. It had, it had to go through a process, you know. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think the fact that you had other other, as you said, eyes on and people to help you look through it, like that's yeah. definitely really like it's oh, great. Um, you miss things. You miss things. You, your eyes they, they get used to it. You know, you you, you, you can't do it on your own. You, you need other people. It's always a team effort with these things. Anything. Mm. But plus, like that, really goes to the like one of the central themes of your book to do isolation and 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 communities and being no man's an island. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So except for islands, man. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. He folks. was actually a he was actually a comic book character years ago, the Human Island. Really? <laughs> yeah. 
that's a oh. pretty lonely story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Great swimmer, though. <laughs> okay, folks, listen, we're def- again, the book is Clementine Lane, written by Owen Brunkert, and you'll find that on Amazon.co.uk. I'll bring it up on the screen again there. And you'll also find Owen Brunkert on Facebook or Twitter if you'd like to reach out to him and get in contact. And that's E-O-G-H-A-N. Brunkard, B-R-U-N-K-A-R-D. That's right, Owen, I think, isn't it? I got it out. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, Unusual name. <laughs> okay, great. And listen, listen. If, there's, if, if anything comes up, you know, or if you're, do, if you're doing any, you know, launches or anything like that, you're very welcome. There's an open invitation for you to come back anytime. Well, I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on. It, oh, was, it was fun. Great questions as well. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's really nice to be on a service that's dedicated to this kind of thing because you have to pay for it, usually. Like, you know, and yeah. have people actually read the stuff beforehand and have this research and the questions are pointed and you're actually having a good conversation, you know, it's it's not... Well, we're, we're interested, you know, we're really interested in, in our community as well and you're part of the community and you're offering something to the community. So we're we're more than happy to help share that. I really you know. appreciate it. No, I enjoyed it. Like, it was a good conversation. Yeah, great. Well, look, you're welcome back anytime. Maybe maybe next time we'll talk about, we can talk about anything else. We, I'm sure there's lots we can talk about. Yeah. Uh, we, we could get into a few <laughs> topics, all right. I actually would love to hear a bit more about the community work you've done. I mean, you're doing it for yeah. 12 years, so... You yeah, there I must mean, be some insights there you can offer. Oh, yeah. Look, listen, I mean, we run a, a kind of, I work for the Film Resource Group here. We're based on James Street in Dublin, southwest in the city. So we're all, all these after schools, youth projects. We're a fairly big setup, like senior citizens, you know, we're across the board in different, different rank of different services. And we're, ah, it's a lovely community, really. Like, you know, it's, just, it's the same as anything, really. People say, oh, the inner city, they don't know, like, People here are absolutely lovely. It's a lovely setup. And actually, there's more of a sense of community here than in an awful lot of places, to be honest, which it's yeah. a great place to be, you know? Yeah, great. So, and if people are interested in that, there's, there is a website, I think, is there? Yeah, uh, www.frg.ie, and it lists our services and what we're about. It's a little newswire as well that gives community news and stuff like that, like, you know. Yeah, you, you have a publication, I think. Does that go out? How often is it? Or a newsletter? Uh, no, it's actually a WordPress site. It's updated nearly every two weeks. Um, and it comes out with a different list of articles under different topics from culture and local news. Somebody wrote a review about Clement and Lane. It was very favorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the best books I've read in a long time. Yeah, that's really? a big compliment. I got to tell folks at home. That's a big compliment from Chris. He loves his books and he loves his oh, reading. Yeah. So I would take that recommendation to heart and make sure you get your hands on a copy of Clementine Lane from Owen Brunkert. You'll find Clementine Lane on Amazon.co.uk, I think is probably the, the place to go and buy it. Mm. And you'll also find Owen Brunkert on Facebook. There's his Facebook page. And he's on Twitter, and we highly recommend you go and check out his work. It really is some great stuff. Great. Well, look, I really, I'd really, I'd love to. We, we, we'd, be, we'd be delighted to have you back to hear a bit more about that because community, like you said, it's so so important that we get involved with our communities, you know, and look out for each other, ask each other how are we doing, ask ourselves how are we doing as well while we're at it, you know. And when we can, Chris, what do we like to do? Help each other, help us all. That's it. Yep. Okay. Song of all got the net. Oh, Bunkert. Thanks a million. Thanks for having me on. Song of all. And the Can Project's email is canprojects.info at gmail.com. 
and you'll find a link to the CAM Project's website in the description. All the best. Project's Culture, Arts, Nature and Wellness is an outreach project advocating that active engagement in positive and creative outlets is beneficial to our health and our environment. If you'd like to contact CAN Projects, you can email us at canprojects.info at gmail.com and the link to our website is in the description.